today on Real Radio. When you delight yourself in God, guess what he does? He puts within you desires that are pleasing to him and you think they're from you. And you want them to be done in your life. Oh, I've got this desire, Lord, to do this. God gave you that desire. Isn't that cool? He's at work within you. God is the one doing this. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The First Epistle of Peter with a message called Anchored to the One True God, and this is part three. It's been said that a pat on the back really goes a long way. The Apostle Peter understood this, and his words of encouragement arrived just in time to bring comfort and inspiration, even though many Christ followers of Peter's day were suffering under the heavy hand of the Romans. Now, Peter reminds them that these trials and persecutions will not defeat them. The Bible also tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Only God's Word and His promises can bring us such comfort. Peter knew all too well how true that was. He lived in times of desperation and distress, but through God's infinite love, Peter rose above his circumstances. That's why his passion to bring light to those who are in the darkness and hope for the Christ followers who are enduring great suffering was his calling and one of his life's greatest ambitions. So today on day two of this message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that God's love for us is relentless. He's constantly speaking to the believer, putting desires in our hearts, and consistently working with us, even through life's difficulties. And now in his message called Anchored to the One True God, Part 3, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. So God calls you from eternity, and he elects you, he chooses you in eternity because he knows all things. God knows. He knows the day and the moment that you're going to come to Christ. The Holy Spirit then goes to work to bring that to pass. When he does that, when you say yes to that overture of the Holy Spirit, the gospel is presented, you say yes, God who knew all things, God the Father, the Holy Spirit is effective at his work, leads you into a relationship with Christ. The moment that happens, you, according to God, are plunged into the blood of Jesus Christ, imagine that, and brought up out of that pool of blood, And all God sees is you, Todd, and all of us, covered in the blood of Christ. That's why, listen, we are are sinners. We hate our sin now. We don't want to sin, but we still have the sin nature, nature. We sin, but we're covered in the blood of Christ. Listen, you and I do not see the blood of Christ on us. That's why we need to come to church and be reminded. That's why we need to read the word. We, we are reminded that we're covered in the blood of Christ. We have been declared righteous because God the Father, who is holy and pure, looks at the righteousness of the Son, and that is reflected back to the eyes of the Father. And what that Son reflection is, is the blood of Christ appropriated to you and I. It is awesome. It is called redemption. It is called salvation. And from that moment on, God looks at you and I covered in Christ's blood. It's the blood. It's all about the blood. Christianity, listen, Christianity, somebody might say, it's a bloody religion. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the blood of God shed for me at the cross and presented there in that place in the Holy of Holies in heaven above where my salvation is secure. Absolutely secure. 
Listen to this. You, you might know this song. It may have already come to your mind. There is a fountain filled with blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilt or guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away, so goes the hymn, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. There is that fountain, and that's great theology. Again, Weiss affirms, he says, the Greek language so used here in the authorship of this epistle makes this an undeniable fact that it is the Holy Spirit's ministry to do the sanctifying work in the life of the believer. Say amen. amen. It is God. Listen, do you want to turn to Christ? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to trust the Lord Jesus Christ? You can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you yield to him, that's when the Spirit says, thank you for opening the door. He rolls up his sleeves and he grabs you and goes to work in a sanctifying way all the way through till you breathe your last breath on earth. Thank God, glory be to God. What Jesus did with the 12 disciples on the shores of Galilee and in Israel, think of it, Jesus, 12 of them, walking with him, three and a half years, period of time, the Holy Spirit now does to billions of people throughout these last 2,000 years. Think about that. In fact, listen, John chapter 16, verse 5. John 16, 5 says, but now I go. Jesus is speaking. He's going to go back to the Father. But now I go back to him who sent me. Verse 6, because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, listen, everybody, this directly affects you. The helper, the parakletos, the comforter, the holy, that's a name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send them to you. What Jesus did to them locally, the Holy Spirit does to believers globally. Jesus said it's better. Listen, for this gospel to go to the ends of the earth, I can't stick around. I'm going back to heaven. And that's good news. Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven. And when I get up there, the Holy Spirit's going to come and possess every believer. And in so doing, going to send the gospel witness from that moment on to everyone else in the rest of the world. The Bible tells us again in John 14, verse 15. John 14, 15 says, Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Verse 18 I will not leave you orphaned, I will come to you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus Christ resides in your life by the person of the Holy Spirit. What he did with the 12, now he does to every true believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. And imagine Jesus walking with Peter, James, and John around the shores of Galilee. You say, oh, that would be wonderful. I understand that would be wonderful, but guess what? If you and I right now walk down the shores of Newport Beach or in the hills of Chino Hills, guess who's walking with us just like Jesus did with them 2,000 years ago? It's the same. God is with you, never to leave you or to forsake you. It's, oh God, come, oh God, come. Yes, when we say, oh God, come, we're asking him to take us to his presence 
in heaven above. We're asking for his kingdom to come. But my dear friends, listen, there's no more greater additive needed for God to dwell in, in you than how God dwells in you now. Think of the theology of this. You're not going to get more of God next week. Oh, I went to a church service and I got all kinds of goosebumps and I felt amazing. I felt this shiver up my spine. Oh, I just had so much of God. You had a feeling, but you didn't have any more of God. You might have been brought to a more realization of what you already possess. You already possess him as a Christian. But that's the question. Do you have him? Do all of you have him? This word implies, by the way, that Peter is talking about regarding the sanctification of the spirit is that it implies cooperation with the divine for sure. Number one, think of this. It's that God has given us the opportunity and the power to be sanctified by his work, not ours. But number two, it's that you and I cooperate by yielding to the work of God. You and I are to not resist the Holy Spirit. We are not to frustrate the Holy Spirit. We are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time. He is. We just need to listen. It's very, very important. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, about this work of the Spirit, for it is God who works, where? In you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I love that. You know that part of you that says, Lord, I want to do better for you, Jesus. I want to bless you, Jesus. I want to, I want to glorify your name today in my life, Jesus. Do you know where that comes from? The Holy Spirit prompts you inside to pray the prayer. I don't know if God's in me. I just keep praying that he would use me. I don't know if God's listening to me. I don't know if I'm close to the Lord. All I want him to do is take my life and use me for his glory. My dear friend, your prayer is being answered because it's him inside prompting the very desire. The Bible says in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When you delight yourself in God, guess what he does? He puts within you desires that are pleasing to him and you think they're from you. And you want them to be done in your life. Oh, I've got this desire, Lord, to do this. God gave you that desire. Isn't that cool? He's at work within you. God is the one doing this. John chapter 15, verse one. John 15, one and two says, Jesus speaking, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is the work of the Spirit, pruning in our lives. God does that. God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son in your life. I'm giving you a lot of verses. Just write them down in your margins of your Bible. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, regarding the sanctifying work. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Some of us need to hear that. Even though our outward man is perishing. Is that true in your life? How many of you are under 30? Raise your hands. You're under 30? Anybody in first service? A couple of you? Most people under 30 are still in bed. They come to third service. Um, you, don't, you don't appreciate that verse. Those of us who are, how many of us are over 30? Raise your hands. Yeah, look at that. This is the Advil service. <laughs> we read that, we go, let's not lose heart, amen. Even though our outward man is perishing, we go, mm-hmm. 
Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's the awesome thing about getting older as a Christian. The inward man starts coming out. They'll look, the, the, the outside man starts shrinking. I used to be 5'11", I think now I'm 5'10". I'm shrinking, my body's shrinking, but the inside of me is getting bigger. You know what's gonna happen someday? Someday the inside of me is gonna get so big that the outside of me can't contain, and what happens is that's the day I die. No, scratch that. That's the day I graduate. When my outside gets bigger than my, when, when my out, when my inside gets bigger than my outside, that's the day of death. My body cannot contain the growth of the spirit. Same true with you. And death is a welcome thing for the believer. It's when we go home. It's when we get set free from this carcass that we're having to deal with. It's absolutely amazing, but I'm still in second Corinthians four. Yet then Edward Mann is being renewed day by day, verse 17, for our light affliction. Oh my goodness, Paul, a man who has been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, scourged, left for dead. He calls them light afflictions. <laughs> Which is but for a moment is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, because that stuff's not real. You know, all the stuff we hug, all the stuff we polish and buff, the stuff that we see doesn't last. That's what he's saying. It's all gonna melt. But at the things which are not seen, those are the things forever, the invisible things. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. One more verse. James 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Are you having life's difficulties? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Wow, I, I have to, sorry, I gotta give you one more verse. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. It's Jude chapter one, verse 24. Now to him, not you, not me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How are you going to get to heaven? By the Holy Spirit, at work in your life, it's his job to present you before the Father without any blemish, without any sin. He is the one that is with you constantly. And in that is the sanctifying work of God. Look at verse two. We continue now with this consideration. It's a love that is secure or a securing love. It's a love that is secure. He says that we... Uh, here are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Watch this for what? Obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering, by the way, if you caught a, a subtle but very clear doctrine in verse 2. Look at it carefully God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. The Trinity is right there each of them at work in your life to bring about your salvation. Isn't that amazing? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three persons are represented here, yet we as Christians worship one God. You see, Pastor, can you explain that? No, I can only give pathetic illustrations. No one can explain the Trinity. I don't care who they are. The best I can do is imagine having three people living at the same address. Maybe it's your home. 
three people. And under that roof, there are three people living that goes, they go by the last name of Jones. That address is what it is on the street. One, two, three, Ding Dong Street. At 123 Ding Dong Street lives three people under one roof. They each have three different personalities with the same last name. Each of them are all recipients of all of the benefits under that roof. They have three distinct personalities, but they are one name. Are you with me? That's the best I can do. I know the egg analogy, and I know water. You can have solid water. You can have vapor water, and you can have water water. I get I understand that. It all fails. The Bible speaks about the Trinity going to work. And it's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing to understand that the Holy Spirit and Christ Jesus and the Father's at work. But this word obedient, listen, the word implies that we have been elected or chosen for obedience. Now, I need you to listen carefully. This is very, very serious stuff right here. And I, I need to um, stick real close to my notes for time's sake. I got to get done with this, but this is heavy stuff. The word obedience here is the word to listen with the intent to do. It's to listen like this. You know, somebody gathers you together and they say, okay, now I need you to know this. I need you to do this. Are you ready? Write it down if you need to. You got it? Repeat it back to me. Okay, go. That's the word obedience here. It means to hear with the intent to go do. It's a powerful word. By the way, it's mentioned, it is required, it is implied Regarding the disciple, a disciple is one who listens with the intent to do. He will do it. He will be a follower. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, by the way, the Bible uses this word. It says, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. What does that mean? Priests were listening to the gospel being preached. They listened with the intent to do it. And they responded in obedience. Listen, I don't know how else to say it, but church family, listen up carefully. There is no way that you can be a Christian, a true Christian, and disobey God on a continuous basis. It's not possible. You can say you're a Christian all you want, but if you have no heart, and if there's no action in obedience, then your confession is not true. It's important that we point that out because listen, you and I live in an age where pagan spirituality is rising. A lot of people are very spiritual these days, but they leave out Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the Bible. I read a moment ago to you a verse, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Remember that? Today, right now, you may hear that and you say, wow, that's a burden, that's a bummer. Then I'd, I'd challenge you this morning to revisit Bible doctrine. I cannot keep the commands of Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit at work within me can. And this is a fine line between man-made religion and a personal relationship with God. Try all you want to, tr to make yourself acceptable to God, it will never work. The Holy Spirit must be at work in you and when he's at work within your life, Christian, you will be obedient to God. And then God turns and blesses obedience, so says the Bible. The greatest evidence of faith in God is obedience to God. I want to say that again. The greatest evidence of faith in God is obedience to God. 
In 1 Samuel 15, 22, the Bible tells us that Samuel replied and said, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices? That's church stuff. Samuel is rebuking Saul and he's saying to Saul, you think God wants more of your money? Do you think God wants more of your animal sacrifices? Saul, do you think God wants more of your words? God doesn't want that stuff. God doesn't want one more promise from us because we have the motive to be better. No. God wants us to come before him broken and confessing, Lord, I can't do this, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Samuel goes on to say, he wants your sacrifice. He wants your obedience, I should say, to his voice. He says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. God doesn't want you to go in and out of church and never change. God wants you to hear the gospel and be transformed. This is a remarkable truth. It's a power of God. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, that it's for the love of Christ which compels us. That's a tremendous word. The love of Christ compels. What does that mean? It's the love of Christ grips us. There is a, a, an obligation to God. Listen, church, there's an obligation to God that, that comes out of us from love. I read a quote recently by uh, General Thomas Gage. If you know your American history at all at the Revolutionary Period, he's the commander of the British forces over North America for England. But he said something that I think just ties really well into this. He was a general for crying out loud. He fought England's battles. He was decorated. And it says in his writings, and I quote, I have fought her battles, and so to my England I retire. If ever she may need me, if ever she call, I can do nothing else but to obey. I love that. Why would Gage say that? Because he loved England. And listen, that's the same is true about Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, okay, I'll follow you. But that, okay, I will follow you comes out of what Peter said. To whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I love you, God. Do you love the Lord? Do you love him? Now, every time I say that, church, please listen. Every time I say that, I'm always disgusted as to how little I love Jesus. But I want to love him more. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in his message called Anchored to the One True God, Part 3. Thanks for joining us today, and our hope is that you stir up the flame that is within you, knowing that as you move forward in His will, He's always going to have your back. Anchored to the One True God, Part 3, is part of Pastor Jack's series called The First Epistle of Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. You know, the Apostle Peter reminds us that it's the Lord who gives us strength. But you know, we all know that there's strength in numbers. So why don't you join the thousands who are following Pastor Jack on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram? Become a part of what's happening with continuing updates, posts, messages, Bible studies, and so much more. Also, be sure to comment, hit the like button, as we've made that very easy for you. Simply go to our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org, to access Pastor Jack on social media. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Or you can find it on the Real Life mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. 
Hey, we've got a special offer for you. The Life and Bible series is now available on an MP3 CD. And for a gift of any amount, you'll get 17 complete audio messages along with Pastor Jack's sermon notes all on one disc. Yeah, you'll get the notes too. Just go to our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org, and take advantage of this great offer on the Life and Bible series. And remember, it's yours for a gift of any amount at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.